0: Grace Lord, we ask that you would teach us your ways, let us experience, know, and share your love in the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome and uh, Merry Christmas to all you who've gathered and those of you who are online. Um, this is like, I think, one of the best days of the entire year. I mean, I love this day. It's full of joy and amazement. And I like it in part because it's it's a season where everyone in our culture wants to be happy like you you go and you hear happy music and you get people telling you Merry Christmas or if you're in England happy Christmas and happy holidays here and all these kinds of things people want happiness and it's part of it and I think it's also great because it's many of us tune back into the nostalgia and stuff around our childhood memories about Christmas and then of course the, the sheer fun of um, gifts being given and the, and the anticipation of children waiting on gifts, just all these things. And but it is interesting to me because it's a time when we can get so wrapped up in all of these um, activities of Christmas, like getting the gifts and doing all this, that we can get ragged with it all. I was the other day with one of my Jewish friends who said, "Man, I just pity y'all, the way you run around." And he's like, "All my Christian friends are exhausted." I was like, "Yeah, no, I get it. Um, yeah, and." But, and I think not only that, but we can get so wrapped up in that, but we, we can get to where we kind of lose, in part, what's at the center of it all. What is the genesis and the source of all these waves of joy and people wanting to be merry and encouraging to be happy and all this? If you trace it all back, it comes back to this one main gift. And that's what I'd like to talk about um, this afternoon, get us to come back and thinking about that main gift. And it's not like I can sit here and build a bunch of suspense about what that gift is because you know what it is it's God taking on flesh what we're gathering to celebrate but I think we can pause to to hold it and reflect on it a bit and think about some of the some of the waves of aspects of that gift as it goes forward you know it it is an amazing thing Saint Paul in writing his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 9 he talks about this giving thanks for this inexpressible gift this gift that's indescribable other translations will say like, it's just it's just too much. That's what we want to kind of focus on and try to give some words to. But before we even go there, I think it's often important to think about the context. The I'm going to say for now, maybe the wrapping paper on this thing. And context really matters. I was thinking about this the other, the other day with my um, cousin when she got married many years ago. She had dated this guy named George for a long time. And they finally got married. And it was their first Christmas together. And they were having Christmas with her parents and all the rest of the extended family, everybody's in the room and all this, and um, there's a gift under the tree that's labeled to my aunt, Venda, and, she, and it, she, she gets it and it says from George. So George is the new son-in-law. So she opens it up in front of everybody and it's this super racy thong underwear. And it took everybody for a minute to see that my uncle was in the corner laughing his head off because he'd, he'd, he'd put it under the tree. <laughs> Context matters, right? Con- context matters and what, what's going on with this. And I think when we start talking about this gift, the ultimate gift the world's ever known, we start talking about um, what's the wrapping paper on that. And wrapping paper builds anticipation, it builds sort of the mystery, what's going to happen with this. What's, and when it comes to this gift, I think the whole wrapping paper is prophecy. And we could sit here, like, there, there's a tremendous number of prophecies that are fulfilled with Jesus being born on this night in Bethlehem. But I think as you think, we start thinking about this gift, think about just some of these. Let, let me read just a few of these for a minute so you can think about some of these prophecies. Starting with Isaiah seven. And this, all, these trans, all these I'm gonna do are from the message translation. So if you're like, oh, I've never heard it read like that, it's the message. Therefore, Jehovah himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with the child and bear a son. And she will call his name, God with us. A couple chapters later in Isaiah, it continues. A child will be born to us. Israel, listen. Zion, be ready. Heaven will give us a son. What will be his name? Well, the government will rest upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonder of Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity, Shalom Prince. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David, or over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Isaiah 11, just a couple more more chapters down the way. A shoot will spring up from the stem of Jesse, just a branch, a branch from its roots will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. He'll be distinct, he'll be unique. Upon him will be the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel strength the spirit of knowledge and the fear of jehovah he will delight in the fear of jehovah he will not judge by what his eyes see nor make a decision by what his ears hear with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth i'll read just one more this is from micah five this is what brings us to this night in bethlehem as for you bethlehem too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, Bethlehem, it's time to be ready from your territory, from your streets, from you, Bethlehem, little Bethlehem, one will go forth for, for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forths are from long ago, from eternity. This idea that all this stuff is, there was lots and lots of prophets and lots of prophecies that said this is gonna happen. Something's gonna happen with this child that's gonna be given these circumstances in which he's going to arrive is going to be the one. And St. Paul describes it as the inexpressible gift, but elsewhere he does say some things about this gift. And of course, John, in our gospel that Greg read a minute ago, says a good bit about it. So I want to turn for a minute and think about the gift. So here's the gift. We start thinking about it. And John talks about this gift as being the light of the world coming amongst us, this light that comes in. And the word that's right before light means the light that's true and real and before that there had been glimmers flickers of light people had seen God's truth in different ways but here comes the fullness of it and it's not only just the fullness of it but it's the fullness of it that's going to shine down into the darkness the darkness isn't going to overcome it and so you'll see and you can think about what this means like in lots of different contexts it means first of all that that light shines into our despair that Jesus comes not only to show us rhythms of grace and how to live and connect, but he empowers it. He walks with us. He, he ushers in the age of the Holy Spirit being amongst us. All of these things where we're not just left, oh, we got things to go do. We get empowered by him. Or we think about the light that shines into the place of death. The very early Christians from early on began to say, hey, death, where's your sting? Like this is a new chapter, this, this part's over. We could sit here, I think, and go on and on and on about all the different aspects of this gift, this main gift that we celebrate on this day. I wanna summarize just some of the thoughts and get you to think about it by jumping to a sermon from a few minutes back. This is from 1600 years ago. Um, St. Augustine preaching on Christmas Eve. And St. Augustine um, had this, part of this was in his Christmas sermon. He said, "Rejoice." You just, it's the birthday of the justifier. Rejoice, you who are weak and sick. It's the birthday of the Savior, the healer. Rejoice, captives. It's the birthday of the Redeemer. Rejoice, slaves. It's the birthday of the one who makes you lords. Rejoice, free people. It's the birthday of the one who makes you free. Rejoice, all Christians. It's the birthday of Christ. So, such an amazing and inexpressible gift. We could go on with all the different dimensions of it. I want to pivot from there, though, before we go further, like thinking about this, to back up behind the gift for a minute and to think about for a second the love that's behind the gift. Because that can make all the difference, I think, also in the gift sometimes. I know for me in my house, I have two um, paintings in my house that were done by my sons when they were much younger. And there's no art critics knocking on my door to collect these things, but they're my most valuable uh, things in my house because who did them and the love that's behind them. And I think that's part of what's going on with this. And I'll say more in a minute. But I was thinking about this the other day. I was remembering something I heard a few years ago reported on NPR. It was a story, human interest story that they were reporting about a dad who was from San Diego and he was telling uh, this the whole interview was about what he did, but his son um, took some wrong steps and kept making them, and ended up being getting into drugs, ultimately got into heroin, and he ended up being homeless on the streets in Denver. And this guy, who's named Frank, flew from San, he, he knew his son was in a bad way, he flew to from San Diego to Denver, and he found the guy that was like the biggest advocate for the homeless there, a guy named Chris Connor, and. Chris Connor had done this before. He went and helped him try to find his son on the street. But they interviewed him for this program, and, he, and Chris said he'd never seen anybody, a dad, go as far as this guy went because he not only went to find him, but he lived on the street for a, for a week trying to shadow him and follow him. And the guy, this dad grew out his beard, and he lived for the week on handout sandwiches, and he slept outside for the whole week. And this guy, Frank, talks about the moment when he finds his son. I just want to read part of this. He said... He has no idea that I'm walking towards him. I can see that he he cannot stand up without the support of a building. He would appear drunk to most people. To his dad, though, I know from past experience, sadly, he's on heroin, heavy. I go up to him, and he starts to turn his back on me, and I don't even care. I just grab him, squeeze him as hard as I can. They go on to ask him in this interview, why did you do it? Frank said, the only thing I could think of was just go there, be with him, love him, and show, show him how much his family loves him. It's an amazing love that dad had for his son. And the love that's behind the gift we're celebrating this day is even more than that, by a long shot. God will never give up on anyone and pursue us and will do whatever it takes as he loves us and, and goes after us. And so I think we celebrate that along with the gift itself. So there's the gift, it's in the open. The final two things as we th- meditate on this gift today, I think is to ask, will we see the gift? And will we receive the gift? Because a lot of times you can walk by the gift and not even see it or not know it's there for one reason or another. I think back when I was a kid, we, had, we used to get the big Christmas gift the night before, but Christmas morning, we had stockings, and I remember one Christmas morning getting up, and it was, you know, as far as I was concerned, it was the usual stuff. It was candy on top and, you know, the different little, little things in there. And then I've got three siblings, and at some point I looked around, and they're all running around super excited because they had found money at the very bottom. So, boy, I made a beeline back to my stocking to reach way down in there because, you, you know, that was the deal. And I wonder how many of us can walk by it and just not know if you reach down to the bottom of the box, there's something great there. Or we just don't recognize it. You know, I've said before, my favorite, one of my favorite groups is U2. And I read a story the other day about The Edge, the guitarist, how he went, this is a number of years ago, but he went trick-or-treating on Halloween in L.A. with his son. And they both dressed up as, wait for it, The Edge. <laughs> so they both put on, the, and if y'all don't know who the, the U2 is, they, he's got, he wears this little beanie and, he, and he, leather jacket, and he went with his guitar, and that's what they both wore. And the Edge reports that as they left one of the houses, he could hear somebody in the house going, God, that's sad. That dad doesn't even look like the Edge. (laughs) I think we we can easily walk by things and not really pay attention and really get what's happening. That is part of our gospel lesson today. I mean, Jesus comes to a land that was different than any land in the world then and it is now, the Holy Land. It was the promised land. It was a land set aside for these special chapters that were going to take place. He comes to a special people, a people that were set aside, people made holy, that were to bless the entire world. He comes to them, and this should have been like the home team coming to their home court to play a game. There should have been great cheering and welcome, but that's not what happened. And he's ultimately rejected in his hometown. And it's easy for us to scoff at that, but I wonder, for us, to what level we do that if we make this into the degrees? To what extent do we walk by the love and life and purposes that God has for us because we won't look deeply enough into the box or receive it? Which leads us to the whole thing. So if we see it, it's there. That leads us to talk then, will we receive it? You know, and we, I, think, you know I think back about um, the, how funny presents can be. I've got twin boys that are in high school, but when they were itty bitties, I remember just a couple years, at least two or three years, where they were more excited about the wrapping paper and the box than they were what was in it. And they, they made a little sled out of the box and all this. And I was like, but look inside it. And I remember you know, laughing, saying, we, we didn't even put anything in it. We could just wrap some empty boxes that year and it would have been great. But I think sometimes we as Christians, we play with the box. We play with the wrapping paper. We play with the things around the gift without taking the gift and receiving the gift full on. And maybe there are lots of reasons for that. We're afraid of what Jesus may ask us. Or maybe we've been hurt some way by the church and we don't want to go look at that box because we're mad at God. Or maybe we already know the box isn't exactly what we want in our terms. I wanted a puppy and I don't hear any noise coming from the box. I'm not going to open it. Or whatever else it is. Or maybe it's just how hard it is because there's some humility. If we're going to really receive this gift, it takes a lot of humility. You know, C.S. Lewis said last century that Christianity won't even begin to speak to you until you know the predicament you're in. Or I can think about the, um, the pastor who was a long time out of New York City, Tim Keller. He talks about this at Christmas. He says, there's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we're so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death and son of the Son of God Himself could save us. This idea that we need something requires us to come with some humility to whatever's going on. I like the way we think about this passage going on to say, if you do receive it, He gives you the power to become a child of God. And I think the way I would look at this is everybody in the world is a child of God. We're all made by God. There's parts of the prayer book that talk about one human family. But when we come and receive God in this way, we, we, we come to a different place. William Barclay, the biblical commentator, says it this way. He says, like, there's two kinds of kids. There are a kid, there's a kid who grows up in the house who takes everything in, takes every advantage, and then leaves the house and never looks back and doesn't express gratitude and drifts apart. And then he says there's another kind of kid who gets all these great things, at some point it realizes it and is grateful. And as they grow into adulthood and keep going, they, grow, they come closer to their parents that way. He says this is an invitation to become that kind of child, to see what God's done, to receive that gift, what he's done, and to come close and to be intimate with him that way and to, and to um, experience new joy. Today is a, a really, really amazing day with a really amazing gift that we have, and behind that gift is love that we cannot imagine, that goes deeper than anything that we know. It's a day that we remember that God was embodied in flesh. He embodied kindness and gentleness and love and service, and all these things, and set an example for us. And He invites us to learn who he really is by following Jesus and watching and receiving the fullness of this gift. Something amazing that is the genesis of all this joy. Merry Christmas.